0: Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts Podcast, brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In part two of the Content Accounting Podcast, we focus on how to apply the concept of a balance sheet to content. Hi, I'm Caitlin Heath. Hi, Caitlin. I'm Sarah O'Keefe. And today we're continuing our conversation about balance sheets in content accounting. So, Tell us what a balance sheet is as applied to content accounting.
1: All right. So a balance sheet, at least for me, was the thing in accounting that took really the longest to understand because they make my head hurt. But basically, a balance sheet, if you take something, let's start with a house because before we move on to a content. Sounds good. Yes. So if you have a house, you own a house, it's worth a million dollars, but you have a mortgage on the house for $900,000. And so you have an asset that's worth a million dollars, but you have a mortgage, a liability, which is $900,000, which then implies that your equity in the house is $100,000. Okay. So the balance sheet is called that because it always has to balance. Your assets always have to balance or equal your liabilities, your debts, plus your equity.
0: Okay.
1: That's the concept of a balance sheet. So... When you do this in regular accounting, you have like your bank accounts under assets, you have your loans under liabilities, and then the equity is the difference between the two, basically, mm-hmm. and it all kind of works out. Now, we think about that from a content point of view, right? Okay, well, if you're, you have a content balance sheet, what's your asset? The content. The content. <laughs> uh, except, is it really? Like, what if your content is really bad?
0: Okay, so maybe that's a liability,
1: So maybe it's a liability. So broadly, yes, you have your asset, which is your content. Mm -hmm. We hope it has a positive value. Right. And then you have your liabilities, whatever those may be. We'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. And then the sort of the difference between the two is your overall content equity. All right. All right. So on the balance sheet, you're going to... Oh, and by the way, an asset is defined as something that has long-term value to the business. So I would argue that, for example, Mm -hmm. a tweet... Maybe not long-term. probably not an asset, right. right? But maybe your process or your system of extracting tweets and putting, you know, like you schedule them, you put them somewhere, you have a whole strategy for how you do that. That might be a long-term asset, just right. not necessarily the individual tweets. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if a single tweet goes viral, then all bets are off, so let's just <laughs> set that aside. Rarely an issue for those of us that live on the technical content mm-hmm. side, you know, the viral mm-hmm. tweet, so we'll just move on content product information product overviews product descriptions technical documentation knowledge base articles all those things are content right. white papers and they have value we hope you have the actual systems that you use to produce the content a content management system a delivery system a content portal the branding you've implemented on the system you have the work that you've done to make your your website look nice or behave properly. Mm-hmm. You have supporting assets like glossaries. You know, mm-hmm. you wrote a definition of a particular term. Well, you put a lot of work into that. You use it in a lot of places. It's an asset. Okay. Taxonomies are an asset or could be. Uh, content models. You have a standardized way of writing knowledge base articles. You have a standardized way of writing white papers. You have a standardized way of writing how to information. Those are all potentially assets. And then on the localization side, you know, most of those things, but also translation memory, Mm -hmm. your translation management system, whatever that kind of pipeline looks like. Translation memory is the big one, right? All those pairs where you have the original, let's say, English sentence and the target sentence in German. You can reuse it. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. So those are all assets. Okay. Okay. But assets tend to depreciate. So if you think about your house, you have to do maintenance on it or it'll eventually like fall down. Yes. Okay. Well, it turns out the same thing is true for content, (laughs) which is kind of horrifying. And we don't think about it that way. But think about in the olden days when we used to explain to people, if you go look at old technical documentation, there will be 20 pages up front that explain how to use a mouse. This is how to single-click, this is how to double-click, this is how to right-click. Because the assumption was people didn't know how to do it, Mm -hmm. you had to include it in your documents. Well, these days, you produce something like that, people are going to look at it and go, oh, hello, 1990s, and (laughs) that's bad. So your content... Has to be refreshed and updated periodically, or you run into trouble. Especially in countries or in languages that are newer to technology, language evolves. So the term that was used for computer 10 years ago might not be the term you use anymore. Interesting. Or you see a lot of re- reference to cellular devices, and now everybody talks about mobile phones, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So you have to be careful because you're Uh, your terminology can actually become outdated Mm -hmm. over time. Your content
0: might need maintenance.
1: Your content actually needs maintenance, Mm -hmm. just like your house. Right. So that's something to consider, right, that it might depreciate. If you want to make content valuable, it needs to be accurate.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right.
1: It should not be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong is bad. Uh, It should be relevant, you know, again, cellular phones and how to double click. I mean, it might be accurate, but it's kind of like, ugh. A little bit useless. <laughs> a little bit useless. Targeted to the right audience, useful to that audience. So you've thought about your audience, and you're actually writing stuff for them that makes sense to them. Now, you want to be careful with this, because there's an awful lot of, like, oh, let's pander to a particular mm-hmm. audience, and we're going to be all hip and cool and whatever. It never works. Don't do that.
0: That's potentially isolating. Oh, it's terrible.
1: It's like, oh, look, we're going to sell to millennials. And it's like, but you sound like idiots. (laughs) Okay. So useful to the target audience, doesn't make them laugh at you, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Purpose, it has a purpose and it accomplishes that purpose. Like this KB article is going to explain how to do a thing. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the end of the article, you've actually done the thing. Ideal. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if you get to the end of the article and you're like, I don't know what I was supposed to do.
0: That's not good content. I wrote too, an
1: article right. on how to do it, so what are you complaining about? And you're like, your article makes no sense. It's right, but I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Longevity. You know, if you write a white paper or if you write, again, a how-to, those are typically going to have more longevity than the a book. tweet. <laughs> <laughs> tweet, tweet. And if you write it in a way that's localization-friendly, that's helpful because it's, uh, if you don't, it's more expensive to translate it, so there's there's downstream impact, mm-hmm. right? And then you want to think a little bit about, can you reuse it? The canonical example of this is a product description. Right. You know, you write it once, you use it everywhere where you're talking about that product. But in addition to that, uh, glossary terms, like, you really don't need to define standard deviation more than once. Right. You define it once, you use it everywhere in your company, assuming you're doing things related to math and statistics, in Mm -hmm. which case, I'm really sorry. (laughs) Variance. We see this a lot in technical content where you have two very closely related products. Mm -hmm. You can write a how-to, but the how-to is like 95% the same for products A and B. There's just one little step that's different. Okay, split out that step, put it in some sort of a, a variant label, and that way you can produce both product A and product B from the same content, so you reuse it.
0: And this might be applicable to the audience topic mm-hmm. earlier.
1: Yeah. Like you, might, you might have two audiences. You could have
0: two audiences. And you can do the millennials
1: separately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can write for the millennials, <laughs> and I will write for the not millennials. <laughs> Yeah, so but no but you're right, you know, you can potentially write for different audiences and but kind of embed the same audience in a single document. Right. Or maybe like your beginner level audience gets like additional contextual information and your advanced level audience gets just boop boop boop, boop, boop. these are your mm-hmm. steps, but you mm-hmm. could expand them and get more information. Uh multi channel output is the other one and localization. You know, those are all kind of the multipliers that you might be able to address mm-hmm. to make your content more valuable. So like A tightly written piece of content targeted at multiple audiences with that information labeled, potentially with variants that is ready for localization, long-term, you know, useful piece of content Mm -hmm. is very valuable.
0: Okay. So then what's the next part of the balance sheet?
1: So now we have liabilities. Liabilities. (laughs) We had fun with assets. We're like, (laughs) yay, assets, our content is so great. But then we have liabilities and... um, there's a bunch of stuff here, but really all of this boils down to the concept, and I so wish I would come up with this, but it wasn't me, of content debt. Mm. In the same way that you can have technical debt, which essentially is, hey, we need to do this, but we haven't gotten around to it, mm-hmm. you can have content debt. We should be doing this, but we haven't. Mm-hmm. Your content is hard to use you know bad experience if it's inaccessible that means there's an an entire audience you're not reaching because they can't consume your content Mm -hmm. Um, this podcast is audio but we also provide a transcript and the transcript is screen reader accessible right so we're trying to cover a couple of different ways of accessing this information and not saying if you can't listen to the audio Mm -hmm. that's it right Now, and there's a lot of people that like looking at the transcript who can potentially hear. They just don't want to spend spend 20 or 30 or 50 (laughs) minutes on this podcast. So, bad experience, right? The information is unattractive. It's hard to consume on the page because it's hard to understand because the layout is terrible. Mm -hmm. You're using terrible colors that don't have nice contrast. The font is tiny and not readable by anybody over the age of 35. That kind of thing. Okay information's wrong or just out of date like it used to be right but then there was a product update you didn't get around to it that's that's Mm -hmm. like canonical content debt wrong audience it's too difficult to understand or it's actually wrong and um a shout-out to Shar James Tanney, who had a great example of this, where there was information that she was given, you know, medical information that she was given that said, these are the things that you need to do. And she read it, and she said, this is wrong for me. Mm-hmm. She knew. They had given her sort of the generic version, and she needed the specific version. And because she had educated herself on what was going on, she knew that, nope, nope, this is not what I should be doing. And, in fact, these things will end very badly for me. Oh, that's...
0: Terrible time to have the wrong information.
1: <laughs> and, and it was kind of a high-stakes situation. Mm. She knew better, mm. but they just gave her the generic information instead mm-hmm. of giving her the, oh, you're this kind of patient, so we're going to give you very specific information. So that one, uh, voice and tone, it's probably not good to be cute about something that's life-threatening. Depending on your audience and their demographics, Mm -hmm. you might want to think pretty carefully about your voice and tone. Also, I worry a lot about people who are, um, let's say we have English content, non-native English speakers, who are reading something that is so cutesy and has all this like, hey, y'all, what's up? Impossible to translate. Impossible to translate Mm -hmm. and maybe not easy to understand if Mm -hmm. your grasp of English is, you know, not perfect. Okay, right. So that's something to consider, But, but also... You know, if you're documenting a game, fine. If you're documenting a metal, medical device, not fine. Mm, okay. Right. Right. I mean, you don't have to be totally stuffy. Well, actually, you probably do for the medical mm. device, but you know, it's it's just not appropriate to be funny in the context of here's how to use the defibrillator. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some pretty funny I mean, pictures. Come on. on. <laughs> right then there's some other obvious stuff like it's offensive it's Mm. problematic it's in the wrong format i'm looking at it on my phone and your 27 megabyte pdf is useless to me right because you laid it out in like an 11 by 17 tabloid and i'm trying to look at it on a tiny screen and now i hate you that has happened to all of us (laughs) that's not fun. this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally translation. It's been trans well, it's not been translated. It's not available in my preferred language. That's mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Or you translated it, but your translation is crappy. And I'm looking at it saying, well, obviously you're not serious about being in this market because you can't even use my language properly. Absolutely. Yeah. So so those are all Content debt or liabilities, right? Right. So you're going to add this all up. You're going to add up your balance sheet, your assets, your systems, and then you're going to subtract out your liabilities, and then you're going to really, really, really hope that you get a positive equity number at the bottom.
0: So how do we quantify these liabilities and assets?
1: That's a really good question. (laughs) And the answer is... I don't know. We took a stab at it in this white paper. We put some stuff in. I think it's useful to think about what's the worst thing that could happen. Mm -hmm. So if you're documenting a game and you Mm -hmm. leave something out, then, eh, you know, what's the worst thing? People get frustrated. They go on the forum. They argue and they yell, and your game gets a bad rating. If you're documenting a product that can affect uh, health and safety, life, probably talking about lawsuits. Or people dying. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Like people getting injured or people being killed by Mm -hmm. the product because they used it incorrectly because either you told them to, like the instructions were wrong, or you told them the right thing to do but they didn't find your instructions. Right. So they did it the wrong way because they didn't find what you were looking for. Mm -hmm. So I suppose, you know, at least here in the U.S., you could quantify this on the basis of how big is the lawsuit going to be. (laughs) Um, but that can lead you into trouble because that what happens then is people say, oh, well, we'll just set aside $5 million for lawsuits and not fix the thing. Ugh, yeah. We don't really that's advocate me. that at all. So something to consider there. But I think that's really the literally the million-dollar question is, how do we quantify the liability of bad content, of missing content, mm-hmm. of badly translated content? I think you can do some work around let's say you're trying to sell into China and you decide you need Chinese content mm-hmm. in order to reach your Chinese audience. Well, first of all, you know that if you don't translate into Chinese, the percentage of people in China who speak enough English to use your product, that's a quantifiable number. Mm-hmm. You know How many people in China speak English or can read English well enough to use your product? So we
0: can talk about that in terms of revenue.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. are willing to use a product right. that's only mm-hmm. in English. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a percentage. Right. And then you can say, okay, step two, what if I translate my content into Chinese, but I do it really badly? Mm-hmm. Presumably, you get a higher number than the, the, the English-only kind of group. Right. But it seems like if you wanted to maximize your potential revenue, you would do a really good Chinese translation. And you would think about, what is my potential reasonable market share with mm-hmm. a good translation? And how much am I going to get if I do nothing? And so the spread between those two is your liability or your value. Sure. And I, I
0: can think of one other way that we know to qualify or quantify, rather, mm-hmm. missing content or incorrect content, and that's tech support costs.
1: Ah, yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they call tech support, which costs you something like $30 to $50 per call. Right. And if, they, if you had provided the content with good search right <laughs> right Critical. which means make a good taxonomy which means have a good search engine mm-hmm. then maybe they wouldn't have called maybe right. mm-hmm. so i'm really interested in getting some feedback on all of this because you know we we put this document together and we said okay well we're going to put a stake in the ground and this is what we've come up with but you know for those of you listening to this i'd be really interested in hearing about what you've done with content accounting and what kinds of things you've done to try and quantify your content overall. And is this a framework that makes sense to you?
0: Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the content strategy experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.